Hi, I'm Andy Spain and this is my podcast, Conversations with New Zealand Photographers. This week's podcast is with Joe Kelly, an advertising photographer based in Wellington, uh, originally from the UK where he studied photography at the University of Brighton. Um, This podcast is a little bit different from the previous two. Uh, It's obviously an advertising photographer rather than an art photographer talking about a couple of their books and pieces of work. So it's much more conversational also because my career progression um, and my education mirrors um, Joe's quite a lot really in terms of our degree and mucking around afterwards before we finally settled down doing some proper commercial work and then moving to Wellington and having to um, eke out an existence in a new country. Um, It's probably useful for people who are students who are looking to gain some insight into making the most out of their university days and for people setting up as um, photographers specifically in New Zealand and in Wellington Um, but it's a good listen Joe's a lovely guy it's very chatty and it was good fun to have a proper conversation with him so I hope you enjoy it thanks bye I was always I was never a school I never wagged school because I was I'm just too square for that where where was school where were you Uh, Hexable Comprehensive in sort of northwest Kent okay so the only village in Kent without a pub. Yeah. Uh, so during my sixth form years, it wasn't that great. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I did the history, this history of art, Alex, and I'd go along, and I suddenly found it fascinating. But what I found fascinating was the stories behind the art. So I still remember, like, the fighting Temeraire, which is a Turner, Turner painting of the Temeraire being towed in with a steamship, and this the story of the old fighting sailing ship be, being towed to be scrapped by a modern paddle steamer and the changes and I thought these are great stories went to the galleries so I got into that and then at GCC level if you got five C and above grades you could do any A level you chose effectively so I kind of I've got that and I said I'll do chemistry and biology um, but I'd like to do photography I did photography A level mainly because I wanted to do something involved with the art but I can't draw so I figured yeah. that'll work yeah um and they said, well, you can't just do the A-level because it's an arts. You'll have to do a GCSE first, so a mature GCSE in the first year. And if you do okay in that, then you can do your A-level in the second year. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed it, and to the complete detriment of chemistry and biology. So from that, I then knew that I wanted to go and do a further education in photography, but I had no concept of how that was to help or work because at school, they're really good at telling you how to go and do a biology degree because they know how that exists. So <clears throat> I just didn't know. And my mum found a foundation course at the London College of Printing, which was me- like media, so it's film and photography. Yeah. Yeah, so I, went up, I remember going in and I had an interview and some other guys, some current students sat there and they said, oh, where else have you applied? I said, nowhere. They're like, you must be confident. <laughs> and I thought, didn't occur to me to apply yeah. to anyone else. I know there was one other media studies foundation course, but that was somewhere well off yeah. else in the country. So luckily, I got on that course. And it was a good course, actually. It was... In a separate building to the London College of Printing, it was in a little annex. But there was one guy, there, some really good teeth. There was a, a lecturer who was working, but he was also an, an exhibition fine art printer and a fine art photographer. And he used to print for Faye Godwin. So he was, um, and he had his own work, the same style. So he did part time, they did part time. We had a course leader who I vaguely remember as being a sort of, you know, kind of red wine drinking Glaswegian chap, but I don't remember much about him. And, a, and another really nice guy called Peter Shook, who had been the, he'd been the course leader, 
but he was just sad. And then he'd, he'd been off ill and he'd come back. I used to get the early train just to go in and sit and talk to Peter Shook for, you know, half an hour before anyone else turned up. So I did that foundation year, that was really good. And part of that, that year, there was appears that they then say, you will get an interview at the London College of Printing for the photography degree course. And I didn't. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, why didn't I get a... <clears throat> and I, you know, I, I'm not that good to blame my trumpet, but I think on that course I was one of the better photographers. I think I turned out a good piece of work at the end. Um, so I don't know why I didn't get my interview with I slipped through the cracks I went to the interview with the LC they finally got me one I went to the interview and it was like so you know what do you think about Susan Sontag <laughs> I have no idea what I think about Susan Sontag and yeah so I'm not hugely academic in that sense I hadn't really read those things so I applied there I applied to the Kent Institute for the HND course and I applied to Brighton which was the it just started that year of the editorial photography degree so that was I would have been the second year in and yeah, I got the place at the on the HND, and then I got the place at Brighton. Yeah, and there was always that. I'd oh, stay at home and go and do the HND course. But then just the realization that the course in in London in Brighton was the course. I was so fortunate to get. So on that even at that stage, do you be more interested in the editorial side? Documentary. Yeah. Yeah. So I had no real concept of commercial photography at that stage. Yeah. But the work that I really liked, um, sort of doing my A level on my GCSE, was Don McCallum. You know, I was like a 17, 18 year old boy, you know, like, war. Yeah. So it was, and then it was Cartier Bresson and then some Robert Camper. And that was when his book Unreasonable Behaviour came out around then. Yep, it, it did was, come out. You kind of read that and saw the pictures and thought, wow. Yeah. But also at the same time, there was Platoon, came out the movie, <laughs> maybe a few years earlier. It was very much yeah. consciousness, that whole Vietnam War thing, and Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. <clears throat> so the, the photography of the Vietnam War era was still quite almost quite fresh I mean, it was still yeah. 20 odd years ago but it, the Vietnam War probably only ended 20 years prior I guess in a way it turned from being contemporary editorial you know stuff you'd see in newspapers into something that was beginning to be looked at in books and exhibitions yeah, long yeah. enough time had passed that you were re-looking at it yeah yeah, and especially when that unreasonable behaviour book yeah. then there was that real yeah. rediscovery of McCallum's work and yeah yeah that was <clears throat> so that was really where I was focused and it was 35mm black and white I only shot 35mm black and white and it's interesting they got to the degree course in Brighton and I went from being sort of the, the one of the best folks on the foundation course to being in this much bigger bond of all of the best photographers from foundation courses and adults. Like, I was one of the youngest students there. Yeah, yeah. What I found hugely challenging was that the course was then structured in the first year, lots of short um, projects and in the second year, longer projects and the third year is just you're kind of on your own. In that first year, those short projects, they were designed to make you think, make you think laterally, um, and kind of think about ideas, whereas I'd always just been doing, and I'd really struggled conceptually with, they would give us a project, like a one-word project, something like The Kiss, and we'd have a, an afternoon looking at work, and they'd start off with the Duano Kiss shot, but then other people's, then all the way through, right through to maybe some Nan Goldings, and looking at all those different pictures, and then you could go out into the world and create your own version of that and I just had no idea I and I was trying to force it I was just trying too hard um, so I really did struggle I don't think I shot anything that was nearly worth looking at until I was into my second year like it was a, it was a running joke I would go into a crit and I'd say what have you done I'd say I've done this but it was crap <laughs> I couldn't it was, you know, you'd get the other kids who'd come in guys whatever they'd be and they would you could see they'd done it the night before and it was their flatmates and it was utter 
shit. <laughs> but they would just go on about how great it was. And I'd always think, oh my God, yeah, I'm going to get found out, you know. <laughs> and only as you grow up and you leave, you realise the lecturers know that those guys are full of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe me saying it's his crap, I'm really disappointed in myself. Yeah, which is more knowing that you've got improvement. Yeah, and you always got yeah. to go more. Yeah. So I did that first year, and that was really good. And then all 35 mil, all black and white. And in the second year, I can't remember why I did it, but I went out and bought a Rollerflex, and we had a project called Spirit of Our Age, I think. you got a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's fuzzy in places. The, so the Spirit of Age project was, you had to go out and send the epitomised um, our age as we saw it yeah. and in Brighton at that time it was crusties with dogs on bits of string and there was lots of the people who lived in house buses and there was a, a park around Brighton it's called the Level and on one side of it it was all parked up there was lots of these little house buses and stuff my big problem at the time was approaching people and I don't think it hasn't really changed I've got a bit better as I've got older but approaching people and asking to photograph them it was so hard that was I actually did a <laughs> I actually did another, I did a project they set us this one to go out and photograph people. Photograph something. And I, I actually, with Bruce Gilden had come in. Um, and this well, is all under the context where I read that Mark Power was running the course, was it? No, Mark Power was running the course. Mark Power was my personal tutor. Okay. So in the third right. year you get, yeah. So yeah. We, but we also had, we had Mark Power. He was at Network at the time. Uh, Paul Reese, he was at Network. So Paul Reese was there, you know, he was there in the early days with Mike Power and Anna Fox and, Oh, okay. So these, you know, these are like amazing photographers to be yeah. with. Everyone was working. Um, so they had such good connections. Most Fridays, somebody would come in and talk to us, a guest lecturer, and you would be like, you know, Nick Waplington. Remember the book he did about? It was like a how. See, my memory's not that great. <clears throat> Quite a groundbreaking book. He was. He did this colour work on a Fuji six nine. In Nottingham, in this yeah. <coughs> quite yeah. a deprived area. Yeah, council houses. Council houses and yeah. stuff. And he had just gone stratospheric after that. And he came in and you know, gave his lecture. And, you could, and he could, you'd meet them. So he'd give a talk in the morning. And then the afternoon, you'd just be hangout time. Yeah. Um, so Bruce Gilden had been in. And he'd shown us all this work of the on New York streets with the open flash. You know, you know the shots and everyone's yeah. looking quite horrific. But it's all open flash and black and white. So for some reason I had this other project and because I was so scared of photographing people I walked around town with this Nikon F3 and a motor drive and a Mets gun on a cable and just walk across the road and then you'd go some, and you just stick the camera in their face and take the picture with this on this slow shutter speed and you'd get all these freakish crap versions of Bruce Gilden's pictures. The reason, he had a good reason to do it. I didn't. I was, I was just too scared to ask them. <laughs> so that, yeah, that was still me going well that doesn't really work. But then I started, got this Rollerflex and we had this Spirit of the Age project and I went up and I thought I'm going to go and photograph portraits of the people who live in these buses because for me this is a big part of Brighton. This was really, really defined it for me a bit. I remember walking up and down, up and down, trying to build up the courage <laughs> to knock on a door. Yeah. And I walked in there and there's this caravan and I knocked on the door and the first person opened the door and said, yeah, sure, come in. <laughs> you know, and, um, and these people were so friendly and welcoming and it was great. And I got these pictures. There weren't snaps anymore because I was using medium format. It completely changed the way I worked almost straight away. Um, and it didn't have to be a snap because you got permission, you had time. You I had time, I had permission, I could talk yeah. to people. So do, just doing that then did change the way I kind of approached things. 
um, you know, no more kind of sniping people yeah. from distance or... Yeah, so that was in the sort of second year and then I went through the second year sort of, you know, that may have been towards the end of the second year I did that. Started shooting these sort of some relatively fast movie documentary on a roller flex. Thing. And then I got into my third year and that's when I was assigned Mark as my personal tutor and he was really good at kind of eking out an idea of what I could do for my final piece of work. And he came up with this idea um, about the Dartford Bridge being a crossing like the furthest east of London and it's sort of referencing... Um, Joel, Joel Malwitz is St. Louis in the Arch. Not sure. I think so. It's not Stonefield, I think it's Malwitz. <laughs> St. Louis in the Arch is a book where <coughs> it's a big arch goes over the Mississippi, St. Louis, I think they call it, or St. Louis, I don't know what the city is actually called. And he photographs that, and because it dominates the skyline so much, every picture is referencing that. So I took that idea. Um, and at the same time as that, I don't know how I found it, but I was in the library and I found The Great North Road by Paul Graham. And I just loved the way that work looked. So I then, that really influenced how I shot all of that stuff. Moved to colour, first time I'd ever shot colour. I carried on doing a bit of 35mm black and white, but I wasn't that good at it really. Um, but the colour, you know, really moved that. So that was, yeah, then that saw me through to my end of my degree. Yeah. So it sounded like a great three years in terms of your progression. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic three years. It really. Yeah. There's always the problem when you finish, and you well, it was for me, and you go, okay. Every other degree has a more obvious pathway <coughs> of where the job is at the end of it, and obviously for photography, it's okay. I've got freelance, and I don't know anything about business. So where did you sort of start after that? Uh, I think the Dole Office down Dartford High Street. Yeah, that was. Uh, it's been a bit of time. Lovely there. spot, I expect. Lovely spot. You should have done a project. <laughs> I should have shot the project. <laughs> Now, at this point in proceedings, Joe spent quite a long time talking about the period between finishing his degree in Brighton um, before moving to New Zealand. And the highlights were obviously his exciting trip on a cruise ship as a photographer, Um, something that we all probably considered after doing a degree in photography, but not many of us ended up doing. The best bit was Joe being dressed up as a Canadian Mountie and having to... uh, encourage all the old um, people on the cruise ship to smile for the camera um, and he also had spent quite a bit of time in uh, various printers in London um, Metro Imaging which was very well known in the in the UK uh, with all the professional photographers back in the film day um, and it took him a few years uh, before he met his partner and then moved to New Zealand where she was from and started to try and find work in New Zealand so that's where we pick up the next bit, where Joe's trying to get some uh, initial assisting jobs in New Zealand. So you got to New Zealand, knowing, knowing no one. Is that was that your first time here? My first time to New Zealand. Yeah, I knew absolutely no one. Um, I didn't have a CV. Did you come to Wellington because that's where you? Yeah, Susie's family Susie's family. She was originally from Wellington. Yeah, um, and actually her parents owned an apartment in town, and we could come and great squat that for a bit. Yeah which is always very handy. And then Susie got a job in Wellington, which kept us in Wellington. But I arrived here and I just thought, I have no idea. You know, to get a production manager a role, a job in New Zealand with 250 staff. And so that was, you said you've been here, what, you've been here? 12 years. 12 years, so. Yeah, I'd have had to take over like telecom or something. Yeah. Would have been the equivalent. <laughs> you know, it was just, <laughs> because I had absolutely no management experience. I looked at the labs, there was DAC and Image Lab at the time, both of them had just a couple of people working for them. So that was going to work. 
And I just sort of thought, well, why don't I just go and do what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. What I trained to do. And I phoned oh, Dean Dillwood, Mike Clare, uh, Nick Servian, um, probably anyone I could find, uh, Chris Code, and just said, can I come and speak to you about assisting? Uh, and yeah, Dean was great when I see Dean. Um, he said, when I got in there, said normally I wouldn't see somebody when it was the first time they called. But um, because you had said, could I come and see you? Which I found strange because I'm, I guess that years of actually working, doing a proper job, made me realise how you have to go and get, whereas most, when I was at university, you'd probably say, oh, yeah, hi, I'm here. <laughs> you know, you're never, yeah. never going to get you any work. So yeah, and then, uh, and then Mike, so I spent, probably spent a year and a half, probably doing something for Dean, working for Mike Clare, just a couple of, oh, Ian Robertson, did a bit of work for Ian. Um, but there were a couple of guys around still at the time assisting. And then, I can't even remember how I met him, but I met John O'Rotman. I think he phoned me and I could assist him on something. You must have heard there was an assistant going. Um, and that was a bit a bit of a golden, not golden ticket, because John wasn't shooting a huge amount. He was already in New York, but he was shooting the icebreaker work, which then meant that we could work on blocks of like two weeks, um, which sort of saved my financial bacon um, and the very cheap rent due to my very understanding in-laws. And it also exposed me to some bigger ideas and bigger jobs and some really interesting people. Um, and I did about, about that, and I quickly realised, I thought, oh, I should actually be shooting these jobs. Yeah. I actually did a job assisting another photographer. And on that job, the art director said to me, oh, she's a bit prickly. And I was like, oh, well, you know, yeah, yeah she is a bit, perhaps. I mean, I, I was always one, I'm never going to post somebody else's clients, there was a big thing for me for that. But then the art director said, can you come in and show me some work? And I thought, well, you've asked me. Yeah. So I shall. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and it also taught me, don't be prickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's the point? And, and I thought, well, this is kind of weird. You know, you're a photographer. Why would you be yeah. grumpy? Yeah. You know, they're paying you to take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have to go to work for money. Yeah. Um, so you said, I remember you saying to me before that that, I don't know if you were being kind to me because I've only been there three years. <laughs> you said it took five or six years to feel like you were getting yep. more established. Yep, no, it absolutely did. I mean, it really did. I mean, even now, I mean, I suppose we all have our own little kind of tunnel vision, and I still feel like I'm trying to get established. I don't think yeah, yeah. I would, if I was to say who's establishing Wellington, I don't know if I would necessarily put my hand in <laughs> but maybe I am. I, I guess which, probably... Which also kind of leads on to, you know, I was going to ask about the state of photography and all that kind of thing in terms of commercial photography, and it, I guess it has shrunk, but to some degree, but it's still there, it still exists, it's not going away anytime soon yeah um, you know what, what do you, what's your sort of general things about it I remember hearing someone photographer in the UK saying that people whinge about people com- commercially whinge about photography and oh, I don't make the money I used to and everyone takes pictures and stuff but he was saying everyone's got a pencil but they're not all you know I think if if you've lost work because of someone's got an iPhone you're only ever a bottom feeder. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, concentrate on working hard on your game. Yeah. Um, for me, last year was the busiest year I ever had. Um, the year before that, again, was the busiest year before that. Part of that would be me coming yeah, more established, yeah, yeah. even though, you know, second time. But I did have a slowdown period. I, when I started, when I started shooting, I went from assisting where you just, I just made no money in Wellington because there were just a few people. Yeah. In Auckland, these guys can probably make a bit more money and if you're in London or San Diego, you can actually can support yourself. Although most citizens I knew still had night jobs in pubs and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, when I started shooting, I was sort of first year, I was like pretty good, it's okay. And then but the GFC, so I've kind of that quietened off. And I found myself actually dropping my prices and I wasn't making a difference. And I was like, what am I doing? So then I just went, no, this is it. I went back to the full price I was charging. And I'd only knock it a few hundred bucks off, but, and then I got, well, you know, it didn't make any difference, the pricing thing really. People were already paying that or expecting to pay that. Yeah, and so now, now I've been very fortunate that I've had some very good relationships in Wellington and some good relationships outside of Wellington. So that's, yeah, the works, the work is there. I think the difference is now people who used to make money without having to try that hard to make money because everyone needed photography, perhaps struggle hard. That, that's, a, that's a hard realisation now. You know, you're kind of maybe two thirds away from your career, but now you... You drop out of eyesight really quick if you stop, if you stop shooting and marketing constantly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you go, and you and you and you've got to have. Oh, I always say that the 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 best photographers aren't necessarily the busiest photographers. The best marketers are the bit are the busiest yeah. photographers. Yeah, you've still got to be a good photographer. Yeah, but you know there is some amazing photographers out there that pretty much never make it. Yeah, I know them. And you've kind of, um, well, what's my interpretation of your stuff? You've got a little bit of a specialism in doing uh, photography on advert shoots, like video shoots. And you do seem to do quite a lot of the agricultural side of things, so it's those nice trips down south. <laughs> I, I love it's, that recent project you did with you know the people walking over the brow of a hill. Oh yeah, that, I mean that's just getting early. That beautiful light and everything. It's just it looks like the epitome of what a photographer would want to do commercially because you're doing you're holiday. doing documentary. You know you're out as you say you're making money shooting <clears> pictures, <throat> but it's not. Yep. For me, I don't like I don't really like that ad environment where there's tons of people all around but that looked like it'd be pretty pretty low key you know the art director and yep. a few bit of talent kind of thing and just doing your stuff it's yeah I mean I do I still I'm approach not de- I'm not degrading what it not was not at all no no because that is but, I mean and for me the, the the process is irrelevant to the outcome yeah um, so I, I'm always one if I want to shoot and I look around I think what's that bloke do why is he here because <laughs> that's you know and Obviously, if you're shooting, so I mean, there's a few different things here. I shoot a, um, a reasonable amount on TVC, and that's become with the advertising stuff. That's become a bit more common in the sense that they put all the production into a TVC. Yeah. So it's already in existence, and we want to hang some um, submit still imagery off of that. Yeah. So it makes sense to go and do it on that day. Yeah. There's a whole new skill set in shooting on a TVC. Yeah. Mainly, forget that you've got any ego. If you have, go home, because you are not that important compared to the TV director you are important <laughs> but the reality is on the TVC it's set up by the TV production company they produced it it's very difficult to shoot a TVC in such a short period of time so as a photographer you are actually a bit of a nuisance because you were never really built into that you know even though, they know, even though they know it's coming so I fully understand that you know so it's, it's a balancing act you've got to be forceful enough to get your time um, but not a dick so that you then piss everyone off and you're not going to get any time while you make a bad atmosphere you know your job is to get in get the best shot with a minimum of fuss that's how I see it because do you get I mean are they are they shot in the same you know the same spot that the video is being taken I mean or do you make is there a separate this is the stills area this is what we're mocking up this is what we're getting it really depends sometimes it's the same spot Um, sometimes people say to me can you shoot while they're filming um, and my answer to that is there's invariably the best place for the camera to be is where their camera is yeah. 
you know, and that's the way it's set up. That's where the light set up, the, the, the frame set up. And the DOPs on those big TV shoe campaigns are fantastic DOPs. You know, they're yeah. doing, they've got a great eye. Yes. Yeah. And that is the shot. Yeah. So I would say, no, I can't, you know, but what we can do is they can swing the camera. And if you turn up and you're a nice person and you're cooperative, people are nice and cooperative yeah. too. And yeah. you can, they're often very good and they'll swing the camera and you can get that shot. You won't have long to do it. Um, or the other setup is that you set up separately um, the recent Whitaker's work. Um, the final concepts weren't fully finished, or weren't I don't know they weren't they weren't sure where it was going to go in the final outcomes at that point. So they had an idea, and it was going to be Nigella, but it was probably going to be a background. And to make it a little bit easier on me, they thought they said we could set up a studio in each space, um, and then we'd have Nigella straight from shooting the TVC, she'd come off, walk to my set, they give her a quick brush up into the set, we'll shoot it. Um, which was actually a lot easier. Um, in the previous years when I've shot the Whitaker stuff with Nigella. Yeah. Drop, drop that name again, it's good. It's good, it's good. It's yeah. good for the podcast. The, um, well, I mean, so literally the first time she came down for Whitaker's, it was in Wellington Railway Station. Um, the railway station was open. <laughs> and it was not long after the Charles Saatchi um, yeah. business so she's I think very aware of that um, at the time I think she probably thought there'd be more paparazzi here and then realised there aren't any so that would have been quite nice for her but it's it's very hard to make a performance if you know the whole of Wellington are there because yeah. they suddenly hear you're there but they managed to close it off quite a lot but that was that was a very high stress and I imagine very high stress for her but that one actually ran that they hadn't given me any time in the run sheet even though I'd been called the pre-prods uh, for the photography when I said to the director <laughs> you haven't given me any time. I didn't want to tie you down. I didn't want to tie you down to, to one slot, so I thought we'd just keep it free. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> so the way that one ran, they were running a bit behind time, was that it went, um, okay, lunch! Oh, no. Stills! <laughs> so um, very fortunate, there's a really good uh, gaffer here, a guy, Wookie, around town, and he stayed back with me and helped... Um, Kind of just, you know, we just had to tweak, finesse the light a little bit for the still. But yeah, so we got that shot. But, you know, and we got the shot. Yeah. That was the the year after. Oh, no, that was again on set. So again, similar sort of thing. You know, they have a lot of time and a lot of crew. And it was just me and one assistant. And that was a little bit stressful. Uh, real hard sun panning down. Again, at the time, the DOP came out and helped me put up like a, you know, a big four foot diff and, yeah, yeah. and all that sort of stuff, which was, was good. So this most recent one, I actually said, look, I'm going to need two assistants because, um, you know, this is getting quite difficult. And as it turned out, we set up a studio, worked out the lighting, and then one of the assistants sort of sat there and waited. Yeah. And the other one kept me company. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, I mean, that was good. That, it means you're setting up a studio six times in three days. Yeah. Um, in a library and then in a, a furniture shop. Yeah. And then, yeah some other spots but uh, it did it does make it because you can keep it all away there's no one else looking there's no film crew trying to pack up gear so that's yeah <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> that's I, I saw uh, I saw a Richie McCaw on your website as well yeah so that was I'm not, I don't give a monkeys about rugby but people <laughs> might go oh oh Richie yeah he's now they've worked up on the podcast <laughs> hashtag Richie yeah that would be the tag he was a good guy actually he was he was really nice so that was New Zealand of the year was that what you shot it for? Yeah, I shot it for New okay. Zealand a year. Yeah. That's, um, so I went, 
but we're going to shoot in uh, Kurau, which is where he's from. So the idea and would go, and alongside that they shoot a video, and the guy who shoots the videos, I do quite a lot of work with, Guy Rotini, really good, really good videographer, DOP. So he um, he was shooting a, doing a video piece, but so I had to get down to Kurau, which meant flying to Dunedin the night before, then driving up to Kurau in the morning, and then waiting. I think Richard was going to fly in, but it was really low cloud. So then it's been a drive, like four hours from Christchurch, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Came and I thought, right, we're going to have a look around, have a look at the old rugby sheds in Kurau, the rugby team. I was like, yeah, it's good. And that's, so you've got a pitch there, the rugby pitch. I got all set up in the, in the sheds, changing room, I got set up. And that's just kind of camera, so it's just on the hassle lad. And then a silver reflector put on the floor to bounce a bit up. And he came in, had a good chat, sat down. I was like, oh, it must bring back some memories, eh, the old sheds here. So no, no, really, I didn't play much rugby in Kurau. <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah, I made me start when I went away to school. <laughs> so, that, yeah, that, but don't let the truth get in the way of... Um, good picture. Good picture. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, I mean, he was... And he was exactly as you expect, actually. He was good, good guy, quiet. Sit down, did the shot, you know, and then just maybe look look away and look left, look right. Yeah. And that, that is, what I love about their job is that there's no one there telling me what that shot should look like. Yeah, yeah. Look, and I get that more and more on jobs now, that there's the art direction minimal it's like we like that picture you took before hmm. or we like the way you take pictures just build up that trust could you do me yeah, some more yeah, yeah yeah and sometimes if they you know they suddenly show you a picture of you know like Richie McCaw and they go yeah we like this when you got a Richie could you come and do it and you go into the office and it's you know it's <laughs> you know Gavin from accounts I mean it's always hard to perhaps yeah. replicate that but um, <laughs> poor old Gavin <laughs> poor old Gavin yeah he did his best so the, the only other sort of End note was, um, I don't know what personal work, if you're working on any at the moment. You mentioned on something I was reading about, possibly book in the future. And I was also wondering whether you've actually done any of the, you know, DOP direction on any commercials or something, because that's a way that quite a few stills photographers in your area have moved into. into, Yeah, Um, not a lot. I've done some video. A lot of it tends to be a little bit interview based that goes alongside a stills project. so I haven't shot a lot. A lot of my kind of way of approaching a video now, if it was a video with a stills project, which would be the only way I'd get pulled in, I'd imagine, is to bring in a DOP. Yeah. And bring in someone. So, like I shot a little Kiwi Bank ad a while back, which was a stills looking straight down some people. And then the TV producer then contacted, oh, I can do the TV as well. I was like, yeah, we can do the TV as well. So then I just got somebody in who could shoot, the, you know, who had a 4K camera. Yeah, um, and was happy to offboard it and then supply the material, and I just set up the shot and lit it. Yeah, and then they just shot that video part. Yeah, um, but you you directed it as such. I, I basically directed it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of as a photographer, you're better off being the director, really. Yeah, I can't remember. I was reading it. I, I agree with you, but someone was saying, you know, get off your ego, stills photographers, and just get behind the camera. I don't think that as you're a stills photographer that you have to only be a director. <laughs> Which made me laugh. I thought, yeah, it's quite good. Yeah. It is. The problem is, though, that as a still photographer, we don't have the skills that run those no, cameras. it is really specific. Isn't and it? those cameras do a lot of different things yeah. that I don't necessarily know. Yeah. Um, and there are all sorts of other technical side of things, like people talking. Yeah. That you then so... Well, you saw me how, how long it took me to set up a microphone <laughs> for this. So, yeah, you, just get, you can get an operator. It's with anyone I work with, though. I, don't, I never like just a bad carrier. Like assistants, I like them to have an input. Um, and if I work with somebody with a camera operator, I want them to, you know, 
yeah. have an input in that too. Um, so yeah, no, I'm not totally, I'm not averse at all to shooting more video. It's very difficult to do both at the same time though. Um, I'm not sure the quality of either, if you do both at the same time, ends up being better. Yeah. It's pretty, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very much still focused. Yeah. And you were saying also about joining the agency now, Collective Force, so... Yeah. That's potentially your future to some degree that hopefully you can build up relationships through that. And yeah, I mean, that's... So, I mean, the adage in London was always don't get representation until you're too busy to rep yourself. Yeah, that's what I've heard, yeah. And uh, I, I kind of felt in the last year that I was in that position. Like there was a lot of time the phone was ringing and I and it was like, this is quite hard. And then you feel quite stressed because you're in a motel somewhere and you've got to then write a, a treatment or a, even just an estimate for somebody. Yeah. Um, and I'd spoken to Jason, the Collective Force, when he sort of started the Collective Force. And at the time, I wasn't a photographer that um, that was a fit. You know, it didn't work for him. Um and I'd sort of kept in contact, you know, a bit here and there. And then I sent out an EDM last year. Um, and he just emailed me back and said, oh, you know, do you want to reconnect? Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, of course. So there was obviously something in that yeah. piece of work that he saw and thought was, was good. Um, yeah, so we you know, started talking and then, um, yeah, I just decided it would be a, a, a good time for me. It's good to have representation beyond, you know, New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, they, he, he, it's... If you can get jobs from offshore, that was quite nice. And it's from Australia. Um, and it's also the production support, which is a big part, which is really handy. Yeah, so they'll, they'll handle all the production side? <coughs> they'll do all the production. Great. Just yeah. press the button, Joe. That's why I like, because personally, <laughs> I, I don't love production. I like taking pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, the, the more stuff you can get out of the way of taking pictures and just take pictures, I think is a, yeah. is a, is a good place to go. But yeah. That's great. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much. That's all good. It's got lots of me rambling. That's all right. It's, it's, it's quite long, isn't it? About an hour. <laughs> you, but, um, <laughs> you cut it down in 20 minutes. I'll just, I just take out your life on the seas. <laughs> 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 See, you're going to get a 